we wanted to push ourselves. We wanted to see what wasn't impossible. If you want to know what's possible and how far you can push yourself, Amina Moreau is just the person to talk to. Still Motion, the production company she co-founded and helps to run, has achieved incredible organic growth and success over the years. Whether they were producing wedding videos or corporate and commercial projects or raising money for nonprofits, they are known the industry over for incredible storytelling. And that is one reason why Amina is the perfect person to talk to on today's episode of Video Production Daily. Amina, I was telling my wife, hey, I get, I booked Amina for the podcast. This is going to be fantastic. And uh, we were just walking through the neighborhood and she's like, you know, that is awesome. Amina really changed your life, didn't she? <laughs> and I don't know, Amina, <laughs> if you knew you had that impact on me, but no, certainly I didn't. <laughs> as a creator, so much changed after we did several projects together because just the way that I thought about storytelling, conducting interviews, so much about my professional journey really pivoted at that point. So I have so much to thank you for. So when I think about bringing on the very best video producers that I can to create a great experience for Video Production Daily, from the very beginning I was thinking, can I just approach Amina? I should get Amina on the show. She's gonna have great <laughs> insight. So I'm thrilled you're here. It's great to have you. Well, thank you. What an, I mean, I have uh, some, some things to live up to, I guess, during our conversation today. <laughs> you do. I, I'm holding you to it. I need you to bestow upon the audience the same gift that you gave me. And I have no doubt that wow. uh, people will get insights from this. So uh, as the audience may know, the way this season is working is week to week, we're exploring a different principle of video production. So Amina is going to help give us insight every single week along with other video producers. So Amina's got her own day of the week to tune in and hear about her perspective about different elements of production. Amina, something that is interesting is, you know, there's so much to talk about in the world of video production and storytelling and audience engagement. But so often when I get, you know, contacts on LinkedIn or someone tries to get a hold of me, oftentimes it's a student who's kind of coming into the world of video production. So this, uh, you know, throughout the week, we're going to we're going to talk about some things that are pretty advanced and some things that are just really human. Um, and all of those are related to video production. But the most common question I get is, hey, how do you make a career in video production work? How do you find your place in the world? And that seems to be just a common question of so many people getting into this. I know when I got into video production, I really thought there's no way I can make a career or a living making video. So I need to find hard skills. You know, my path into video really came through video engineering, even though I had work experience in video and a lot of history in video. And luckily, you know, maybe partially thanks to Amina, I've been able to pivot back into storytelling and more audience-focused things. But let's talk to those, you know, new aspiring filmmakers, people coming into video. And Amina, I would love to just hear your story about your career development and how you found a place in the world of video. Hmm. Well, I do feel like these days the path is a little bit different than the path that I took. Partly because the technology is in a very different place. And I know that as a, as a team, we developed alongside an industry that was in a really special place. Because when we started, we started pre-DSLR video. And so we were carrying around these huge bazookas that were super intimidating, super heavy, and 
it was just, it was a different look and feel. The sensors were small. You didn't have any control over depth of field. It was just, we can see everything. It was hard to be artistic. And oftentimes you had to take out a second mortgage in order to afford the gear. And actually one of our shooters at the time, this was probably 2004 or so, um, he actually did. He actually took out a second mortgage so that he could afford his setup. Now, he was doing a lot of news stuff too, but it was a very different time. And then 2008 hit and the 5D Mark II came out and all of a sudden camera gear became accessible and creating more cinematic looking footage was much more possible for people. We had found a way to be artistic before 2008. We had found ways to achieve shallow depth of field before most other people did, in our spheres anyway, because we started out in weddings and, and sort of that world, and everybody was using these small chip uh, cameras, and so were we, but we were adapting them, and we had a look. This is before we ever discovered any value in storytelling. It was all just about pretty pictures. I mean, it was, were you hawking around a lettuce adapter? It was a Brevis. Okay, I remember it was a Brevis. I remember getting one and being so impressed with the depth of field I was able to create. I was ecstatic. And then I held on to it so long. And then this, that 2008 DSLR revolution started. And then <laughs> by the time I decided to get rid of it, it was worth absolutely nothing, right? Yeah, Everybody we couldn't could chuck them far enough. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, they were amazing tools for when they were needed, but as soon as they weren't, they made everything smaller. So not only was it more convenient, but it was less intimidating for everyone, filmmakers and the subjects of the story alike. And so... I think that to to answer your question in a long-winded manner, the key was differentiation. Before we could, as a small film industry, control things like depth of field, we found a way to. We were actually the first wedding company to shoot an all-brevis wedding. And so the whole wedding looked... I mean, spectacular. And it looked completely different from anyone else doing the same kind of work in the industry. So, but we weren't differentiating for the sake of differentiation. We were differentiating because we wanted to push ourselves. We wanted to see what wasn't impossible. And so then when the Mark II came out and now everybody can do this, we're like, all right, well, what's next? And I, we were the first, if, or, or at least one of the first uh, studios to start bringing Steadicams to weddings. And people were like, what, like, what are you, crazy? I, you're at a reception and you look like a robot. You, you know, you've got these appendages coming out and we're like, maybe, but the footage looks incredible and our couple's... In fact, it's not even that they don't mind what we look like. It's actually almost like a, like another attraction <laughs> at the reception for people to be like, oh, wow, cool. Like these people really mean business. It's a little weird, but let's let them through. Let's let them do their thing because they must know something. Um, and so I think that finding a way to differentiate 
is, is the way to, quote, make it. These days, because cameras are cheap, you can create a beautiful image with this thing. The iPhone cameras are so far and above anything we were using in 2004 when we were getting second mortgages on our houses. It's ridiculous, and they're just in our pockets, right? But that, while it makes video more accessible to people, it also means it's easier for everybody to make a pretty image. And so that is not enough. And even yesterday, I got a shipment of lenses in the mail. I needed a, a mid-COVID pick-me-up. <laughs> so I ordered some gear. And it made me feel so good because I'm like, toys! It's like Christmas in August. And then I was like, just remember, Amina, the gear is a really small component of this. And that is why I am more obsessed with storytelling than I am with any kind of gear, with any kind of filming techniques that pretty much anyone can learn. It's not that anyone can't learn storytelling, but I think it's easier to learn how to shoot than it is to assemble a really compelling story. And if you can do both, oh my goodness, you're a set. I mean, it seems to me like you were willing to stand out, right? That there were several times when your audience had to self-select to work with you because you guys were different. Uh, and so that yeah. could be in the image quality and the gear that you were using, the fact that you would show up to a reception with a steady cam. So I'm sure that those were all pivotal decisions to be able to make. Um, and then, you know, later in your career, the real focus on storytelling is also another pivot, right? That, that ultimately had an audience self-selecting whether or not they're the right client to work with you. And mm -hmm. I'm just wondering about a couple of things. One is, the power of compounding in your brand, um, how do you feel like it progressed to the point where people started to know who you were and wanting to work with you? Um, mm -hmm. Because it started small, right? It started with weddings, but now you have done massive projects that are very different than what you started out doing. So how did that compound? And then what were the really, what do you feel were the critical moments or the critical decisions that helped you, you know, kind of capitalize on that compounding? I think that a really critical moment that included compounding was when we got a call from the NFL Network. And we had shot nothing corporate, nothing in sports. It was all just weddings. And we were just at our studio at the time in Toronto, Canada, and the phone rang and we looked at the call display <laughs> and on our landline and it said NFL something or other. I'm like, okay, so, you know, we answered it. And, um, you know, there was a moment where we put the person on hold and we're like, oh my God, it's the NFL <laughs> network. <laughs> They're interested in us. And then we got back on the call and resumed. And it turns out that one of their producers had been watching our wedding films on Vimeo and had been tearing up. And they said that they were astounded that they could feel so much when they were watching strangers' videos. And that really said something because videos, or wedding videos especially, they kind of have a, they have a bad rap. Nobody, nobody wants to watch a wedding video 
period. Especially a stranger's, right? I mean, you might watch your sisters or your brothers, but you know it's not going to be super interesting. The only thing that makes it interesting is that you know the person and you you see them being emotional and having an important moment. But if you don't know them, those important moments mean less to you. So if there was a stranger that was crying while watching our stuff, that meant something. And then they continued to say that really what we're doing is we're making human interest stories. Weddings, whatever, they're human interest stories. And somewhere along the way, between the time that we started and that moment, we'd realized, all right, pretty images aren't enough. We've got to dig deeper. What? And, and, And frankly, telling the same story or doing the same stuff, even if it's with new gear, weekend and weekend out gets boring. And, and so it was also a way for us to imagine how could we make this more interesting for ourselves. And one of those sort of compounding moments or moments as a result of compounding was when we realized that the thing that changes every weekend is the people. It's not the wedding. I mean, sure, culturally, they might be a little bit different from weekend to weekend, but for the most part, you know the plot. You know what's going to happen. And so there's no suspense. There's very little intrigue. And so we decided to do deeper dives into who the people were, what they meant to each other, what they wanted their lives to become, and why who their parents were, why why they were choosing that particular spot. Perhaps it had, you know, a decade and a half of history for them, perhaps. Maybe they saw tomatoes as a metaphor for their entire relationship. We had a couple like that. And so their entire same-day edit is a narration about tomatoes. <laughs> and you cannot pluck that couple out of that video and just insert another one in their place. Like you can with most wedding videos out there. Theirs is completely unique. And so when the NFL Network called and told us that and they said, we'd like to see how you apply your approach to human interest stories in the world of football, we're like, Hell yeah, let's do this. We know nothing about football. We're Canadian. We have three downs in this country. So bear with us because we might not know what we're doing there. But, you know, you're used to people running around with a camera on the field with five people trailing behind them. We can do the jobs of five people in one. And that's what events teach you. (laughs) That's what weddings teach you. They teach you how to do a little bit of everything. And that was, that was huge for when we entered the sports market and then eventually the commercial market. So back to differentiation, but also going deeper. That was, that was huge for us in our evolution. And as we've also kind of paid things forward ourselves and helped the industry through educational events and stuff like that. We've heard a lot of stories uh, from colleagues around the world who have found the same thing, is that when you when you diversify, but then you just dig a little bit deeper and don't, don't just put a lens on your camera because it's got great bokeh or because it's already attached or because, you know, you used it yesterday and it worked, but you attach it to your camera because it communicates something very specific and different from all the other lenses, then you know that you've, you have a greater 
opportunity to really reach your audience in a more emotional way. Because now they're not just understanding what you have to say, they're feeling it. And sometimes they might not know why. I think the accumulation of 20 different subconscious cues can make the difference between somebody watching your whole video and shutting it off after 10 seconds. It's interesting to me, Amina, to conduct multiple interviews as I'm doing for this season and hear this from other creators' perspectives. And one of the themes that I'm noticing is the further people are able to get, those are people that have also learned how to ignore other things. And one of the things you described is being able to, you know, if you can be killer at events, then, you know, you can have one person doing the job of five people and you can triage and you can move forward really, really quickly. And it's just interesting to me to pull that out and, and recognize that also, that you knew where to put the focus and that meant where you weren't putting the focus. And, um, and it's just interesting to see how that, not just compounding, but also driving forward with a very specific specialty and being able to really master human interest and tell stories that make people cry uh, has been a, a massive impact for you and for the people that have been lucky enough to be collaborators. Um, so it's fascinating to watch, Amina. Certainly, uh, there's a lot of us who admire your career and the work that you have been able to do. And uh, it's going to be fascinating over the next several weeks to be able to dive deeper into your process and the way that you think about storytelling. Amina, is there any parting advice that you would give someone who is looking at your story and thinking, okay, how do I find my unique element? What is going to differentiate me? And how do I get started and get that momentum and start to stand apart from other people that might, you know, be wanting to do the same thing? I think part of it is accepting that it's not going to ho happen overnight and not expecting it to. I think that would be an unrealistic expectation that would result in disappointment. Um, and disappointment is not motivating. And that's not to say that we shouldn't be um, ready to fail as we are pushing ourselves, because I think that is an important part of things, but being realistic about it. And if you're just getting started, worry more about learning the basics and learning the language of film first. And the voice part is probably going to come without you even realizing it. But forcing the voice before you even really know all the words that you have to say um, might result in sentence structures that don't make sense. Um, and I really like using language as a metaphor for film because I do see all of the elements like lens choice and color and sound and framing and lighting all as though they are words that mean something that communicate something important as part of your message. And one way I think that we can di uh, differentiate ourselves as creatives is that each one of us is going to see a two to one lighting ratio as meaning something sliding, slightly different. Right? You and I are going to see the meaning of a 35mm lens on a full-frame camera as, as meaning something a little bit different. There might be some universal uh, acceptances around certain feelings, and I think that that's the common language that we all have, whether we're video pros or we're the audience watching. But a big way to differentiate also is recognizing that we all have different points of view and we're going to see all these things slightly differently. And that is what is a big, big part of what gives us our edge.
but I think that comes with time. Amina, thank you so much. I, it, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to puff you up, but I really feel like when Amina is is uh, is sharing this stuff, it. It really feels not like tips, but more like wisdom. So I'm thrilled to be able to, to glean this wisdom from Amina to have her with us. Next week, we're talking about pre-production throughout the week. So make sure you catch Amina's episode because I know that Amina thinks about pre-production differently than anybody I've worked with before. So it's going to be fascinating to get her perspective. And I'm looking forward to that episode. Thank you all so much for joining us, Amina. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to hearing more from you. And thanks for listening to another episode of Video Production Daily. Rather than shamelessly plugging mastersofengagement.com, today I wanted to introduce you to another resource over at swaystorytelling.com slash blog. Put together by Amina and team, this is an incredible resource for digging deeper into storytelling. You can find a link in the description below. We'll see you tomorrow.